Hey, Bradley. I'm super excited to have you with me today. Um, you know, you and I met about a year ago at church yeah. and uh, been working together and a few things there. And it, uh, I don't really even know you that well. I don't know your story. So I'm really excited for this. So why don't you introduce us to yourself? And Yeah, well, I am Bradley Vinson, um, Scott's friend. Yeah, but we, we met a little over a year ago doing things uh, with the marriage ministry at church. And, and I've been, probably been a member of that church. Now, my family's been a member of that church for about three, three and a half years. And that three and a half year mark kind of marks the anniversary of something, but I'll get into that a little bit later. But, um, you know, I've just been doing marriage ministry and men's ministry for a while, you know, just kind of doing a fathering thing and uh, been married now for 98 to 2020. What is that? 22 years this year. I always got to get the math right. Yeah, that's right. Actually, uh, a legal marriage now. I call that we're legal since we're over 21. And um, as I'm kind of going at it, I am a... Uh, we're part of a blended family, uh, three adult children. Now we have, let me count them, seven grandchildren because my son is now in a blended family. He's the father of a blended family now. Um, so yeah, that's that's how we're rocking and rolling right now and just kind of doing the fathering thing, the husband thing. and But kind of going back to how we met, like I said, we met at, at the church we're both members of right now. And uh, we moved out into the area this area of Texas, right around 2015. I remember it was Mother's Day weekend, and it was probably the rainiest week that year. A terrible week to move into a brand new house. Wow, that's incredible. You know that um, that's when we moved here. Oh, wow. (laughs) That is crazy, man. It's June. Remember, it was really rainy that year. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, that that May and June was, was a was a terrible time. And what was crazy is that because it was Mother's Day weekend, my wife always participated in this women's conference that happens Mother's Day weekend. So Mm -hmm. my mom and dad were here. My sister-in-law was here. My aunt was here. And our granddaughter, uh, Alana, was visiting the day we moved in. So the moving truck got to the house and all the family got to the house. And so we had to move family and friends into this new house. It's like, this is, why do we pick today? (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, but um, that was part of our adventure of moving out here, and it's been good ever since. But um, kind of now, you know, my story has changed from, as I said, I have three adult children, and we were pretty much empty nesting, wow, almost 10, 15, 10 12 years. And all that changed in 2016. Uh, my family suffered a tragedy that uh, – I pray most families don't have to endure. My four-year-old granddaughter uh, died in an accident, uh, May 11th, 2016, roughly a year after we moved into this new house, kind of even further away from immediate family. Um, And part of that story, uh, after after she passed away, my daughter, one of my daughters, I I have two girls and a boy, one of my daughters she was estranged from her husband at the time. So she was single parenting um, when our granddaughter passed away. And my wife and I stepped in and said, you know what, let's, let's, let's do this co-parenting thing. And my wife and I call it reparenting. Wow. And so uh, through that process, we became guardians of two of our grandsons, Alana's brothers. Uh, at the time, they were six and two ages that I have personally never experienced kids at. Though I'm a grandfather. So uh, now I'm understanding. Uh, you know, blended, oh, go ahead. 
<laughs> excuse me for interrupting, but now I'm understanding how you are uh, a father currently when you made that statement. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because uh, my wife and I, like I said, we're a blended family and my wife and I were married when um, two of our three children were, uh, we met when our children were eight and 11. We were married when they were 11 and 13, about to be 14. And so I had never experienced a child the age of two and the age mm. of six living in my home. And so though I'm a grandparent, I am now a father figure. And that comes with its own trials. Um, I mean, not, not to even count the, the grief and helping two little boys heal. I call it healing. I don't think we're ever going to be healed on this side of eternity. But just helping them through the healing process uh, while my wife and I are on our healing process. And all the things that come with that. Um, and then on top of that, rearing two little boys. You know, yeah. I've been a little boy. <laughs> I've never <laughs> raised the little boy. And so there, there's a whole new experience in that too. Wow. So you're kind of just thrown right into fatherhood all over again. And not only that, you and your, your wife are on the heels of a tragedy, a grandchild passing away. And you're taking care of the boys who are the siblings. Is that, is that correct? That is correct. That you, that's a nutshell. That's it. Wow. Right there. Yep. So talk us through some of the struggles. I mean, we can kind of assume some, but you know, we don't just talk us through some of the struggles that occurred right away. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, using the word struggle, I, I know everybody has their vernacular and things like that, but what was kind of, odd for us is that, like I said, we moved out here in 2015 and we built the house that we're in right now. We have, you know, a guest room, but then there is a room in our house that we actually established for our grandkids, mm -hmm. right? Because they had, we had our, we had been in all their lives since birth. I mean, we were there for their births, you know, at the hospital, only the second or third person to hold them in our arms, you know? So we've been with them since day one. They've actually, um, live with us a little while before, you know, so it wasn't like we were kind of strangers to our grandkids sort of thing. And so I was like, you know what, let's make one of these guest rooms a real room for the kids when they come visit. We'll put twin beds in it and things like that. And this was at a time when the youngest, because Alana was in the middle, you know, 2015, he was just born. You know, so it was like, hey, we'll put a little crib bed in there. When, you know, so when they come visit, they have a room. It's not a guest room, a sleeping bag thrown on the floor and stuff like that, right? But um, unbeknownst to us, and now that's their real room, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, part of the blessing is, is that we had always been very much in their lives. So it wasn't like they were coming to a place that was completely unfamiliar, but it, they weren't home. They weren't with their mom. Um, right. I mean, because this happened in May which is close to the end of a school year. Um, Bryce got to graduate, uh, well, from kindergarten. Um, and she was, a member, she was a member of that school also. And they surprised her. They actually uh, posthumously gave her a pre-K mm. graduation certificate. Wow. Uh, and did a little slideshow for her. It was very moving. Um, but that night after their graduation, they left the area. 
So all their little friends, all the, you know, all the little connections they had to home were severed that night. And so the next school year, they're out here with us. And we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we do this thing? And how do we advocate for them? Now, this is all by the seat of our pants. I mean, there's no, there's no manual on this, you know. And, you know, so we made sure we put them both in a small school, like a Montessori school initially. Because mm-hmm. we wanted them in a small pond with a class with about eight kids in it, you know, because we just didn't know. Um, and so they came in and, you know, we helped them, help the teachers get the information about these two grieving little boys. And, and so now they're in our home and now, you know, we're rearing little kids and outside of that struggle, the grief, you know, so now night terrors and, uh, just outbursts of crying and sadness and, you know, memories. And I used to do, I used to do this with my little sister. Now she's gone. I used to build a fort or play with my Legos with my sister and now she's gone. And now the little one, the two-year-old, how do you explain to a two-year-old that he will not never see a sister again? Right. There, there's a level of comprehension he just doesn't have. So now you have to delay the grief until he can understand, you know, so it's like, okay, we got to put some of this grieving stuff on hold because he's not even grieving because he doesn't even know what grief is. He might think right. that Alana's at their old house or on the moon for all he knows, you know, and she can come back tomorrow. And so it's all those things. And then a whole new wave of grief came over me because in all the losses that we were experiencing, I lost grandfatherhood, Right. You know, you, you, you hear a lot of grandparents that make the jokes and we, you know, and we live those jokes for a while. Yeah. Come visit us. We fill them up with candy and junk food and send them back home, you know, or come out here to us. We'll buy you all the stuff that your parents won't buy you, spoil you and send you back home. And now that's not, that's not the uh, major part of my life right now with these boys. Right. But what does stick in the grandfatherhood is because of my gap between my age and my grandson's age, I don't have as much time with them as a typical father would, right? Because now I'm that father plus 20 plus 25 or 30, right? So now my days are numbered with these little boys. And it's like, I have to try to now give them this grandfather wisdom and this father wisdom at their young age, because my time here is shorter than what an you know, actual dad of kids that age would be. So there's a stress and a struggle with that, you know? And, and so I, I was grieving the loss of grandfatherhood for quite a while. And I, I still struggle with it a little bit on and off now. And I, I do my best to try to have uh, what I call no, no days, which are days that I won't say no to most anything. Um, Cause that's what a grandparent would do. Right. Oh, you want yeah. that? Go ahead. Oh, you want that? Go ahead. You want that? Go ahead. But then the fatherhood always seems to sneak into that. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's like, okay, if I give them all this candy, they're going to be sick and I'm going to be up all night with them throwing up, you know? So I start thinking like a dad again. Right. And I have to turn off the grandfather. Let's have fun no matter what guy. Right. Um, 
another struggle is when their cousins come visit, right? Because I'm only grandfather to them. So when they come visit from uh-huh. their own homes or they're visiting, I'm pawpaw, 100% pawpaw. And now Bryce and TJ are like, wow, this, this guy actually can be fun. But they see <laughs> dad stuff, right? Right. And there's this conflict. It's like, okay, so, so the other kids will come and I'm grandfathering them, but I'm fathering Bryce and TJ, right? Wow. And I'm denying them the opportunity to have me as a grandfather. And I think I told you this before. It's like, you know what? I think I'm an awesome grandfather. I think I'm a mm, average to a little bit above average dad. And I'm just being blunt with you about that. And that's a struggle I have because honestly, I would prefer to be a grandfather, but that's right. not where I am right now. And that's okay. You know, I don't, uh, it's a blessing to have them here with us for both of us, for all of us. It's a blessing to have them in our home. Um, but it's still that that's my thorn, you know, why can't I be granddad? Why, you know, I want to whine about that and I want to mope about that, but I can't because, you know, and then even early on and I'm kind of, I, I hate to sound past anything related to grief because it can always come back the next second. Right. But I remember early on, we would sit at the dinner table and it'd be four of us. And I would sit there and think, you know what? In a perfect world, I wouldn't be in a position right now to be the guardians of my grandsons. But I would much prefer to have to raise three of them than two of them. Yeah. You know what? You know, I'd, I'd much rather have my granddaughter in this scenario, if it has to be this way, then just have the boys. And so there's always that struggle because you know somebody's missing. Yeah. You know, um, but, but it's hard, you know, and rearing grieving kids um, is a struggle within itself because they're grieving. And, and then they're boys, right? And, you know, the whole men's grief thing is a whole nother topic for its own time. But, you know, when you have kids, you're their reflection of God in the house, right? Yeah, yeah. And if I'm not giving them a true spirit-led, true emotional being of myself, I'm robbing them of what real manhood is. Hmm. So when Bryce, he's now 10, now six, seven, eight-year-old Bryce, he'll walk up and he'll say, Papa, are you sad? And even if I'm not sad, I had to pick up on that to know that he's sad. And so I'll say, yes, I'm sad. Why are you? He said, yeah, I'm sad, Papa. I'm thinking about Alana, right? Because even if I'm not sad, I have to lean into his grief too and show him that being sad is part of the process and being sad is okay. And I'll even say, you know, I cried last night for Alana to let him know that Papa cries. So it's okay for boys to cry, right? And so I think there's all a, these different things like that. I think that, you know, your, your situation is kind of the triple grief, but I think there's a really great lesson in there for fathers, you, you know, um, talking through experiences with their kids when they are grieving. And, and it's been a topic, it's kind of even, for, you know, dogs and, and such, but being right. open and honest and sharing and even saying, yes, I'm sad. So they know that, that that's part of the process. I love that. Right. And yeah. what was so fun, I give people this little story. Uh, TJ, he's now five. I think he was four at the time, maybe late threes, 
close to four. You know, and, you know, I've been to seminary and I do men's ministry and now I'm doing grief ministry and caring for the grieving community. I'm, I'm a chaplain with the city of Flower Mound, <laughs> police and fire. So I'm thinking I'm doing this grief thing, you know. And one day I walk downstairs and TJ leaves a mess in the kitchen. You know, he's four and that happens every time he goes to the kitchen. But just this day, it's like, you know what? No, he's going to come down here and clean this mess. I say, TJ, come downstairs and clean your mess. He comes downstairs and he has a ball in his hand. Now, a number one rule, I don't care if I'm granddad or dad, no balls in the house. Balls mm. are outside toys. Mm-hmm. You're throwing around Because you know, if you got a ball that never stays in your hands, outside toy, right? I said, okay, TJ, clean your mess and give me that ball. He screams at me. No, I want my ball. I said, TJ, give me the ball and clean your mess. No, it's my ball. I said, okay, I'm taking the ball and you're going into timeout. So I take the ball, put him in timeout, five minutes, set the timer. Five minutes is up. That's okay, TJ, ready to be a big boy now? He just gives me this, you know, who are you look, right? You know, four years old. But I said, okay, TJ, clean your mess. And, you know, I want my ball. TJ, you're not getting the ball. So now we go in this circle again. I put him back in timeout. Not for five minutes again, but you know, I said, you need a little extra time. So I put him in like, you know, two minutes of timeout. I go in the bedroom. I can hear him moaning. <sighs> I mean, loud, right? So I come back out. He's sitting at the kitchen table in a little high chair thingy. And I pull him, I pull him out of the chair and I'm eyeball to eyeball with him. And I said, TJ, what is wrong, dude? And he just starts bawling. And he says, I want my sister. Mm. I mean, he's just bawling, crying, uncontrollably crying. And I, I hug him and we just, you know, we sit there and embrace. And I said, TJ, I said, don't you like it when Papa, he said, yeah, Papa, I like it when, I, when you hug me. And I said, wouldn't you rather have a hug than get put in time out for misbehaving? I said, you just got to tell Papa when you're sad. And then it dawned on me, all this stuff I teach, the four-year-old still emoted grief as anger. Wow. He knew no other way to do it other than to be angry. Mm. And him being a two-year-old, there's only so much relationship you can have before a child turns two. So even though we were in his life, it was like, I could have been, you know, Mickey Mouse or Ronald McDonald, right? Right. So now he's away from his mom away from his home. He's lost. He has no control. Right. And now I'm taking this thing from him that he was in control of in that moment. Mm-hmm. And the only way, only thing he could do to emote that was anger, but he was sad. He said he wanted his sister and now I'm taking something else from him, you know, but that's the logic of a two year old. And so I have to, now it's like, wow. So out of all this stuff I teach, I'm telling the kids I'm sad. I've cried in front of them. I hug them. I ask them how they're feeling. But this four-year-old is emoting grief through anger, right? And so how do, I, how do I cope with that? How do I show him things? And how do I keep the repetition going of, okay, you have to let me know when you're sad. It's okay to be sad. I, I know you're sad. You want to call your mom today. And I, I, it truly is a co-parenting situation a mom and two grandparents, you know, she was on the phone with them today, you know, yeah. you know, uh, FaceTiming them. Cause she, you know, cause TJ's birthday is coming up and she was like, Oh, I can't come for the birthday. Cause I'm in Louisiana 
and Louisiana folks aren't allowed to come to Texas. Exactly. Texas folks can't go to Louisiana. Like it'll be fine. We'll, we'll FaceTime it. He doesn't know April 16th from December 23rd. You know, it's like, you just tell him another day's his birthday. He'll be fine. You know, he's five. He don't know what the dates are. (laughs) I said, so we'll FaceTime, have some cake and it'll be fine. But it's, you know, but it's, it's those things where it's all this extra now, you know, I have the stress of time is ticking for me and how much of this manhood stuff can I force feed into these kids before I'm gone? Which honestly, it's doing them a disservice. They shouldn't have to grow up right now. I shouldn't have to tell them life story. They're still trying to figure out how to comb their hair and take a bath properly, you know? I'm trying to give them wisdom, (laughs) you know, from a grandfather because I know my time is limited, you know? Um, And then it's like, you know, I want to be grandfather, but then we go to Walmart. No, I got to buy sheets and it's time for new tennis shoes. I'm not buying a toy, right? But Paw which is, they still call me Paw because to, to them, I'm still their, their Paw Paw, their granddad. You know, it's like, but Paw Paw, before Alana died, I know that they, they never say this, but, you know, before Alana died, Walmart meant go find something to play with, right? And we're going to leave the store with it. But now go to Walmart means you need more shoes, you need more underwear, you need more socks, right? And, and, that's still, I mean, we're, you know, we're nearing, wow, man, we're almost uh, four years in. It'll be four years this May. We're four years in. And I hate to say still struggling with that, but, but that's a struggle for me, even to this day. Because we'll go, and they expect every time we go to the store, they're going to get something, something fun, right? Right. And it's like, no, not today, because I'm here for this. But then it's like, okay, we'll stop for a snow cone or stop for whatever. I try. But I, like I said, you know, I, I think I'm an awesome granddad, man. I think I'm a, you know, a little better than average or probably average dad. And that's still a struggle for me. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Well, man, you, you've been through the fire and you're still going through it. And um, you, what for, let's kind of dig in on this from the reparenting um, aspect, you know, four years in and you know, you, you've learned a lot and I I have a feeling there's some listeners who are just new to the reparenting thing. And um, you know, how, what kind of advice might you give them right up front? Something that you've learned. Well, what's funny and what's scary is that, and you know, you know, we do marriage ministry and things like that. What happens is that a lot of people will rear kids and then forget their spouse and so now the kids graduate from high school and move on. And you're like, who is this person? You're mm-hmm. not going to go with them when they leave? Because you don't know your spouse anymore, right? And my wife and I had those struggles with our grandchildren's parents and aunt and uncle, right? So we knew that already. And so as we went through empty nesting, we really focused on each other. But now it's a little different because there is a needed focus on the kids, but I still have to keep my wife. Number one, BB is still number one. She's the queen of the house. Mm -hmm. And what she says goes, it's not always King dominant, you know, but it's the stuff I learned the first time I parented. Right. (laughs) So I won't be making these mistakes in reparenting. 
so the boys, despite me being a average or above average dad, they're seeing a very good husband, right? And so I, I will, I will kind of pat myself on the back a little bit for that one. They, they're even though the dad granddad conflict is still kind of working itself out. They see a good husband, and they know what a good husband looks like, right? Yeah. And so if anything, I believe in that example that I'm setting for the boys where this is how you treat, you know, the woman that's going to be in your life. You see how I treat BB? This is my queen and I'm the king of this house. And this is how things are, but this is how you treat your queen. Yes. You pick up her plate. Yes. You do this. Yes. You, you know, you do things for, and so, and letting them know that my queen is number one. I Mm -hmm. love y'all, but y'all are after my queen. Right. And so in a reparenting or first time parenting, that has to be established. And the first time we parented, that wasn't established well in the beginning, right? Because in a blended family, and there's no, there's no blame in this, but I think whoever is the biological parent in a blended family situation, they're going to lean toward the kids more than the other person does because there's relationship building and now there's a little more catering yeah. to the kids, Yep. You know, so you kind of get that, that marital conflict, right? We were beyond all that, and now we re-enter it armed already before the kids get here. Most people don't have that as an option, right? Yeah. And so, um, and so with that knowledge and things like that, so, but that, that's the thing. The queen still has to be the queen. The kids come second, whether you're parenting or reparenting. Because the best thing you can do for your kids is show them a loving marriage. That's the best thing you can do for your kids, hands down. Um, because at some point, they're going to move out of your house. <laughs> Whether you have a basement or not, they're going to get out of your house at some point. <laughs> and they're going to establish a life, even if they're single, right? It's how do you treat other humans, other adults, other people you interact with. There's a respect and a level to that. And you do treat women different than you treat other men. So even if they don't get married, there's these examples of relationship that they have to learn and, and realize that your a number one relationship is to Christ. But in this earthly realm, that woman sitting over there across the table from me, she's number one. I love y'all, but y'all are a distant second behind her. <laughs> there's never going to be a time I'm not going to do for y'all, but she's number one. Yep. Right. Yep. And they need to know they need to see that a healthy thing of, wait a minute, I'm not always going to get my parents' attention because they need each other's attention. Yeah. And so all those kind of things. And so I think in reparenting or first-time parenting, that is A number one, that they, they see what a healthy relationship looks like between adults, right? Well, that's, that's a perfect segue into my um, next question, which um, – can be difficult. So be, be warned. What legacy would you hope to leave your, um, your children and your grandchildren? What yeah. parenting legacy? Um, I, I, I think about that a lot more now than I have ever thought about that before, probably in the last four years. Uh, hmm. I spent a lot of time toiling at night before I really fall off to sleep about that. You know, um, if this is my last day, what are those boys going to think about me? Mm-hmm. 
And I think, I think about that almost nightly. And it's, um, and the thing about it is that I truly loved them. I loved their grandmother. And it's the legacy of service mm. that whoever you are, there's always somebody you can help. I don't care if it's helping somebody take their groceries to the car, giving them a smile. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am goes a long way. You're serving somebody when you do that. Right. And then it's the legacy of the legacy of fatherhood, the legacy of caring, um, the spiritual legacy and Mm. that I love God. And this is why I love God. And yes, my time here is limited, but my time here needs to count for something. And it's not how many likes I get on Facebook, how many followers I get on Instagram, is what difference have I made on this earth, right? And I asked the boys at all the time, I said, what difference are you making? You can choose to lead because you're going to influence one way or another. You can influence for good or influence for bad. So what are you choosing to be? And every opportunity, there's a, there's a choice to influence for good or for bad. Every opportunity. Um, and th- that's just kind of the legacy, man. Because if somebody said, who was your pawpaw? I just want them to say that, that he really loved us and he cared about us. That's amazing. You know, and he served people. Yeah. You know. So <clears throat> you've already mentioned you're a chaplain for the area. <laughs> you, you are involved in multiple ministries at the church. I know you work a full-time job. Yeah. Um, but I also know a little more about you. What, where can people plug into a little more about Bradley Vinson? And what else are you doing? Because I know, I know you're serving. Yeah, I mean, I mean right now, I, I just consider myself an advocate for the grieving community and mm-hmm. those that care for them. And, um, and so I kind of speak and train in different levels to the grieving community and just kind of get out there and advocate and be a voice for them. That's pretty much what kind of put him into being a chaplain and being a deacon at the church and just serving that way. And pretty much you can find me on all the social medias uh, under Bradley Vinson. And my website is bradleyvinson.com. V-I-N-S-O-N. Say again? V-I-N-S-O-N. Yes, yes. Not Vincent. Yeah. It's so funny. As uh, I'm always doing these tangents. I, I worked for a gentleman for many years straight out of college. I was a director of a magazine in New Orleans. Went to dinner with this guy, went to lunch with this guy, stayed late after work, let him mentor me. And I found another job that was going to move me up the ladder a little bit in Texas is what is actually what got me here. So I'm sitting at his desk one night in another mentoring session. And I'm like, hey, I, I think I'm going to take this other job and this, that, whatever. And he writes me this beautiful letter, you know, as I leave the office and he hands it to me. And it had Bradley Vincent. Oh, no. I'm like, okay, dude, you signed my checks all these years and, did all that and still spell my name wrong. Yeah. So it's a, it's a common misspelling. Okay. So BradleyVinson.com can help yes. people find your resources. And um, I'm lucky enough to know you in person. So I go straight to the source. So it's um, all good. Yeah. Well, Bradley, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate your insight into reparenting and grief. Well, thank you for having me, man. It, it was a it was a joy. It was a joy. Appreciate you. All right.